Welcome to the I Feel You podcast, a show all about mental health, race, love, and all things life. One conversation at a time with human therapists, Adriana Martinez, Lena Nicodemus, and dope guests from different places and spaces. This is not a substitute for counseling with a licensed professional, just the coolest waiting room you've ever been to. Hi, welcome back to the I Feel You podcast. My name is Adriana. And I'm Lena. And we are here with our first guest for the podcast, Kiona Medina, and Lena will introduce. So Kiona is a Colombian-born expressive arts wellness therapist and facilitator. Uh, She's passionate about the intersections of art, spirituality, culture, and community. She currently lives in Richmond, creating preventative approaches and systems to make emotional and mental health accessible. Welcome, Kiona. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're happy to have you and we're honored that you accepted our invitation. Oh, the honor is mine. So excited to be here. (laughs) Yeah. So we had a great conversation uh, a couple weeks ago, just kind of digging into what today's episode is going to be all about. And so, you know, we really started a conversation that we realized really centered around decolonizing mental health. Um, And so I wanted to maybe start the conversation with just asking Kiona uh, what that means to you. This is a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) You got this. Start from when you were like three years old. Let's start at the (laughs) end. So back in the day, yeah, the the idea of decolonizing or for me sounds like reclaiming uh, in a way or, or going back, returning uh, to essence or returning to origin, returning to, um, I guess, a state of uh, who we, we, I claim myself, right, um, are as people of color, as people that live in this, um, in this continent. And what does that reclaiming mean in regards to mental health uh, practices, in regards to um, to self-care practices, in regards to seeing uh, spirituality interweaved with mental health, in regards to seeing food as medicine, and so many other ramifications to holistic health um, that are connected to so many cultures. So it's such a big topic. So that's why I say it's such a loaded question because there are so many ways that we can go about uh, discussing this. And I think the, um, the three of us just in this space represent so much already to what that question entails. So to me, what does that mean? I was born in Colombia um, in, and I came to the US when I was 11. So uh, I never understood well or, or, or aligned myself with the context of colonization or feeling that I was colonized. I mean, of course, I knew like history, right, of of my own, you know, South American continent, but like, but I, I didn't relate or, or or like sell myself as like, I am colonized, right? Um, and I never wanted to be a therapist. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, um, yeah, that's, that's very cultural too. You don't, you don't hear that from in Latin, Latin culture, um, that people want to be psychologists or they even want to go to psychologists because they think that they're crazy 
or that the person going is crazy. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot to, to, to those, to the stigma and there's a lot to the taboo. There's a lot to the, um, understanding of what psychology is and why we have, we have to go to therapy when we're broken. Mm. So a lot of deconstructing here. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely power in words and something that comes to mind is thinking about healing coming in different forms. Right. And kind of removing the, um, the, I guess the message one that we must talk to someone else in order to heal and like making therapy the only way. Um, and I, and I myself feel like I got caught in that. And I think it was because I was caught in like the whiteness. Um, and you know, I've been, I've been in, um, in the United States and California for ever. Like I was, I came when I was two years old and I say forever because I don't, I don't remember Mexico growing up. I was two years old. And so I went back a few times when I was in a, a kiddo, but, um, but the reality for me was that I did get caught up in what, what mental health was, was therapy, right? And just it hasn't been since maybe the last, I would say even five years, because even when I went to grad school, I was very much like, yeah, therapy, like mental health. And I'm a social worker and I saw it as two very different things for sure. Um, but I, I really resonate with what you're saying, Kiona, around reclaiming um, as opposed to the decolonizing um, mentality and more like reclaiming um, our roots and where we come from and thinking about therapy as something that our ancestors did even before we had language, right? Um, so yeah, I don't know uh, what you can tell us maybe about the work that you do now um, and also what, 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 like we have a short period with you and we could talk hours with you, but like, what is the essence of your message and your beliefs and how your, how the work you're doing is like permeating the mental health field? Um, and how, what, what do you want to tell us other, you know, POCs um, and any other folks who are doing work with diverse communities, racially, ethnically, you know, what, what would you say? Um, is like an important thing that you want to make sure our listeners and our therapists out there know? If I were to narrow down my message, yeah, <laughs> uh, which is my passion or one of my biggest passions as far as this topic goes, um, I would put it down to accessibility. Mm -hmm. And I want all people to know and feel and understand the importance of mental health and emotional health and self-care and um and any of the practices that that are important for for well-being that are those are as important as physical health right and we invest a lot in going to the doctor and in buying you know medicine for bodies and I would like to make mental health as important and as accessible. So, so and, and especially for example, the idea of going to the gym, like a lot of us like spend a lot of money in gym memberships, but we don't, uh, we don't even think about the idea of investing in therapy or in a coach or in somebody that can hold space for feelings. So um, one of my missions, one of my goals is to one day have 
therapy and counseling be as available as gyms are. And if you go to a 24-hour gym, right, at 3 o'clock in the morning to exercise because that's what you need, I hope one day for folks to go to a place at 3 o'clock in the morning to splash paint around and go and talk to somebody because that's what they need at that time. Mm -hmm. So I really want to make that point across to people how, you know, feeling depressed, feeling anxiety, feeling panic attacks, feeling feelings, um, is, uh, is, it needs to be known, needs to be shared. And if we keep hiding it and if we can make, keep making it a stigma and a taboo, then we are then being our own oppressors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of also reminds me of, um, something I heard, I think it was in a podcast, um, and I can't remember which one, or I would give credit and shout out to the podcast, but they talked about how, um, they really wanted folks to question everything in therapy, right? Like, are the tools and the values that we have and that are given to us in the room the same tools that oppress us as Black, Indigenous, people of color, right? And not take it for what it is or what they we think they're giving us, but questioning it and really being curious about it so that we aren't using um, the same tools that are intended to also oppress us. So I think that was, that hit me right there when you said that. Mm. Yeah. And I'm curious too, Kiona, you know, you mentioned that uh, you didn't want to be a therapist. And so it's interesting now to hear you so passionate about therapy. And I think, you know, part of that is you've reframed what therapy and counseling mean to you um but what has that journey been like what did you want to be when you grew up when you were younger if you didn't want to be a therapist i did not want to be a therapist because i when i was a teenager i was going through a depression myself and i was taken to a psychologist who happened to be a a, a white lady that with all good intention wanted to hold space for me but i did not feel connected to her um, and because of that disconnection, I said to myself, like, this isn't something that I would ever want to do to a kid or to somebody. There was a big, uh, it wasn't just the disconnection, it was dismissal. There was a lot of just um, many factors involved in that. And um, I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to make art. I wanted to use the art to teach kids how to make art so that they could express themselves. Expression is always a big element in my life and in my career and um, then I got a job as a translator at a shelter for survivors of domestic violence and the therapists in that shelter were expressive arts therapists and drama therapists and they opened up the door to art as a tool and then I got another part-time job with an amazing organization that was doing expressive arts and theater for social emotional skills with kids and they opened up another door for art as social activism and art as social justice, you know, tools for that. And so all these doors opened up for me uh, and I started piecing together my, my longing for expression with my longing for communities, with my longing for healing for myself. Um, and that's how it continued to evolve. And, and it has a lot to do with how the concept of therapy and psychology is being taught as talk therapy, right? You sit down and you talk about your feelings, which is something that, that's actually counter-cultural to, um, to a lot of 
communities of color or most communities of color um, because the arts are actually what what is very like centered around our cultures we do murals we do music we do dances we do and those are like across all cultures i want to acknowledge that but it's very particular to communities of color as a form of expression and as a form of healing and as a form of social um justice mm -hmm. and so uh for me expressive arts therapy uh became the the, the bridge um uh, between healing and counseling and community and expression and and myself and my identity and all those intersections um, and which is why um, whenever I introduce myself or whenever I'm in spaces with folks that don't know about that, then it's like I get to become that bridge of like, did you know that you don't have to talk about your feelings? You can paint about them. You can move your body about them. You can sing about them. You can write poetry about them. So it opens up a whole other, what I call the back door to uh, the, you know, the home or the inner self that we all have. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my brother would love you, Kiona, um, because he's an artist, um, he's a musician, um, and for him, it's very interesting, I'm just going to put him out here and later apologize if I say too much, but, you know, uh, he, I think that was his form of expression, was, you know, when he was at the kitchen table when we were young and his annoying ass was drumming on the table when we're trying to have dinner. Um, and, you know, it was just interesting, though, because, like, even the simple act of doing that at the kitchen table, like, he was expressing himself. Maybe he was anxious. Maybe he was, like, saying something through his, like, music, which started off. Now he, you know, he, he actually did. He became a drummer and, you know, he's a musician, um, kind of maybe retired now. I'm not sure. Maybe one day he'll come back. But, but that was like his form of expressing himself is through music. And it just reminds me of, again, the ways in, 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 the, in which people find peace, in which they learn them, about themselves more, in which they find comfort and hold their own space through their own expression, right? So um even though in my head i'm like bro you gotta go to therapy <laughs> and you know like this constant thing and you know i'm in therapy and so i think for me it's helped me but also i've made it different for myself now i don't i see a certain therapist that i connect with like you said maybe if you had seen a therapist that was curious about what you were connected to and, and connect in that way and bridge that gap then maybe you would have had a different experience, but, you know, and maybe well-intentioned, like you said, um, didn't find that opportunity to connect differently with you in a way that, that made sense and that was healing for you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that about, about your brother, because um, that, that's a, another stigma that, that we have about art. Like if you, like only certain people can be artists, only certain people can be musicians. Like if we have this bubble of this elite group of folks that have a certain talent, right? Mm. And, then, and then that's another example of how we become our own oppressors by saying like, I can't paint, I can't play music, I can't play drums. Why would I use the arts, right? I can't write poetry. Why would I, you know, try an expressive arts therapist? And, and so we have this idea of, art being equal to an amazing product, right? An amazing music piece, an amazing music, you know, drum set, whatever, drum, you know, drum beat. And 
And that, again, that, that becomes a way of shutting down the part of us that wants to express yeah. uh, feelings and emotions and trauma. And maybe that beat at the table was like him telling you all what he was holding in his heart, right? And it wasn't like a spectacular sound. But it, <laughs> but it was, oh, he'll tell you different. He'll say that he, that was when his career started. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, for sure. I'm thinking about like how um, when we were talking about self-care, we were talking about how a lot of times people can be doing self-care and not realize it. And part of that was like the, um, I don't know if stigma is the right word, but yeah, maybe stigma around self-care. And so I've, I'm seeing how this ties a lot into therapy, like how and, and art and expression and all these other ways that people are finding ways of healing that isn't just like going to an office and paying someone a lot of money to sit and talk. And so it, you know, um, I'm just thinking a lot about like what, what it would look like to have therapy expand outside of just this limited, you know, very like white Western view of, of, you know, healing and so Mm -hmm. what uh what sort of things you know have you found Kiona or things that you participated in that have really um helped you kind of envision a future for like healing and this you know idea of the 24-hour you know healing space (laughs) 24-hour therapy center yeah (laughs) I'm there give me the number when you create it all right (laughs) Uh, we are all going to create it, by the way, not just me. It's oh. A oh, okay, okay. I see. I see what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah, it's a, you see how subtle I am about creating. Uh, you're, you're okay. I'll talk to you after this. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think the another um, another breakthrough in my in my career as a as an as a mental health provider as a yeah as, in this field is um is community so mm-hmm. to sit by yourself with a stranger in an office is incredibly intimidating and it's not just intimidating but that demands connection the connection that i didn't have with the lady that i that i was with when i was a teenager that demands like that demands any that demands so many things to for it to work right and if you don't have any like the right click there, then there goes you know the opportunity to see a therapist. Mm-hmm. And so I I am finding how like creating communal spaces um, can be not only uh, beneficiary but it's it's more aligned to how we heal. I think trauma some happens and healing happens in community. You know, we are communities that are feeling oppressed right now. We can also heal together. Uh, we are communities that are going through so much uh, pain with racial injustice and with so much going on. We can all heal together too. So there is benefits of both, I think. Of course, there is a huge value in individual sessions. Yes, I myself go to one as two. Because <laughs> thankfully, I had my own click of buttons combined match with mine. But then again, like it's, it's folks don't know how if you get a group of people and work on a mural and then have talks about it and then get together and, and then play drums about it, you know, like there are different practices mm-hmm. that we have forgotten, you know, in Eastern cultures, um, 
there are practices that the community does in regards to healing with food um, that we have forgotten about. And there are practices around massaging and around like, you know, ways of healing each other and embracing each other that we have forgotten about. And that's what uh, it's important for me, the, the, the act of reclaiming those as part of the universal effort to heal. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting with that. Um, yeah. And so, and I like what you just said, Kiona, because you also, you know, said, I'm, I'm all, did I hear it right? I don't know. Like you're in therapy, but you're also one, maybe you found the right therapist, but it's not your only form, right? Like you, you also seek other ways if you're, you know, to heal. Um, so I think it's like, it could be supplemental, right? Um, being in therapy and then connecting with community, doing something to continue that, um, outside of the quote unquote, like therapy room. Right. Um, so I think that's pretty cool to see it that way too, because, well, you know, we all live in the Bay and, uh, we all live in the, in, uh, surrounded by Western practices left and right. We're constantly like, um, I think reminded of where we're at. Um, and I do think about, um, how to hold both, right? Like, how do we, how do we do healing by reclaiming and going back to our roots and like back to where, what feels home, like home and what, what our ways of expression is. And then how do we hold it in a space where we're constantly um, messaged to seek mental health services in a certain way. And, you know, we can't, sometimes we won't even be able to get certain, you know, prescriptions or certain services if we don't have a diagnosis, right? If we're not following, if we're not like basically uh, given a set of symptoms that equal a diagnosis, right? So it's kind of like we have to live in both spaces, but how do we do that in a way that doesn't feel like this is the only way? It's like, I don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying, Kiona? Yes. How do you hold both spaces? And, and with, yeah, how do you hold, how do you balance those two worlds, especially as people of color? And as we're talking about, like, reclaiming and decolonizing healing. I don't know if that was a, sorry. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm just uh, very interested in what you're saying. And I don't, I'm not expecting you to necessarily um, like answer and have some, something that, that is right or wrong, but just open up that conversation as a, as the three of us are talking about that. Yeah. So I can, um, I am most experienced with my own story. Mm-hmm. So yes, your truth. <laughs> so I want to share that as a, as a, as an exploration of this, of how complex it is to what you call navigate both the reclaiming and the still being in a capitalist and uh, and Western center, you know, mentality of of how therapy should be, right? Mm-hmm. And um, in my understanding, I it's like it's kind of like being bicultural, right? Mm-hmm. So you're you're staying you. You hablas en español en casa and in English outside, right? Like you speak mm-hmm. Spanish at home and then you speak English outside. Or you speak your you know, mother tongue in, in the closet and then you go outside and say something else in English, right? So um, I think that's a rewire or how do you say like a, not a rewiring, but like you're a coding, right? You're, mm-hmm, you're constantly coding. switching codes. Um, I'm mm-hmm. constantly switching codes. I'm going to continue to speak for myself. 
um, because of the nature of my identity. And so part of the, the, the code switching to me implies the knowing. I have to know the system well enough to change it. I have to know the system well enough to navigate it well enough. Meaning mm -hmm. that if I know that insurances are charging uh, money for my diagnosis or that they're benefiting by having me being diagnosed in the first session with a therapist, that's messed up. So do I want to invest in that system? Do I want to, um, you know, is that the only option that I have? What kind of resources do I have to seek out therapists that are like me or in my culture or ethnicity group that I connect with, or at least that have practices that, that resonate with my needs uh, that could charge less? Do they not charge less? Then what, do I, what can I do to subsidize that as a therapist for people that need that? So I'm constantly, it's a, it's a puzzle that if you move one thing, then it affects the other. And unfortunately right now, the, um, the challenges are so huge regarding mental health. We have people waiting months for Kaiser to give, them, to give them an appointment. We have Kaiser therapists who are burned out because they're overloaded with clients. So at both ends, is a disaster from client mm. and then from the therapist's point of view. And then mm. when they finally get that appointment at Kaiser, then the therapist is, is, you know, is, is not culturally competent. And so then they messed up. And then the, the person that's been waiting three months doesn't go back to therapy because they don't feel connected. So, right, the, so there are so many factors here into, into the navigation and the code switching um, mm -hmm. that to me, what, ultimately comes down to is connections and networking and community, mm -hmm. right? What we're doing right now, the three of us, the exploration and the discussion is part of the solution. <laughs> we're not coming up with a solution, but it's part of- No, we're coming up with a solution. After this, we're gonna all be ready to go. And <laughs> there, yeah, we are, but like- I better take notes. You better take it's notes, Lena. We're gonna- <laughs> I know you thought we had you only for an hour, Kiona, but we're taking over the world after this. Yeah, we're here till we figure this out. Yes, that's going nowhere. You know, that's there's power in community, but it sounds so cheesy, but there's power in sharing. Like, did you find that one lady in Instagram that has this, you know, page and she's teaching this course and she's doing this? You know, we need to empower each other by ways of or own acknowledge. There's so much wisdom in somebody who overcomes something that they can teach other people about it, right? Mm -hmm. There's so much wisdom in somebody who's gone through, you know, deep stuff uh, that's painful that they can go on a microphone and, and give a couple of tools to folks about it on Instagram. And then that's not necessarily, like you said, the therapist in a room, but that's, those are tools. And this is the time for tool giving. Yeah. And mm -hmm. tool sharing. You've talked about that, Lena, about kind of, well, kind of being in community and on social media these days because we can't be physically in community for the most part unless you've created your social uh, bubbles or, um, but yeah, I, I agree, Kiona. Um, I think I follow people that aren't therapists that speak to me because they have a certain, you know, way of connecting with my emotion, my soul, like my heart that for me, it's not like, well, are they licensed? You know, it's like, and, and I, and I'm, I think I'm intelligent enough to know that I'm, I'm following someone that knows what they're talking about, whether they're licensed or not. Like, 
I, I do follow a lot of, of Instagram um, profiles of people that I really connect with. And for me, that's good. And, and it's, it's, it's helpful to be in community and to be connected to them, even if it's through the virtual world. Um, but it's very, um, it feels really, it feels less isolating than, than if I were to only go with certain kinds, if I had this mentality that only certain folks that have a certain expertise that are probably really like Western practices that can only be the ones to help me. So um, I resonate with that a lot, given, given that I'm, I'm very connected to, to Instagrams. I'm connected to virtual people. <laughs> Yes. As weird as it sounds, as como dices tú, uh, cheesy o quesudo, no sé cómo se dice en español, pero. <laughs> it, I am connected with people that don't even know I'm stalking them. So, um, yeah, but they help me. But they help me. <laughs> and right. I know, You're like, I know, when's your next post coming out? I need it. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to say something else. Do another, you know. Uh, no, but Elena, you've talked about it, like following people on TikTok that, you know, that, and you share the TikToks with me and I'm like, dang, like, they're right. Like what they're saying, you know, it definitely um, uh, resonates. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like what you're saying, Kiona, about how, you know, people who have been through, um, you know, pain and, and suffering, you know, those are the people that are, you know, have something to offer, you know, the, the reality is, is that, you know, becoming a licensed therapist does not mean you are, a, you know, a good healer, right? And that's, I mean, let's just call it like it is, you know, um, I think that the two are, are not necessarily, they don't always come together. And I think that um, also the fact that you have to go through so much it, like the the accessibility of becoming a therapist is such a challenge you know just how much student loan debt and then having to work as an intern where you're you know paid minimum wage and you know I mean I had to work three jobs when I after I had a master's degree you know just to be able to afford to I mean we live in the Bay Area which is like extremely expensive but mm -hmm. um it's, it's not always accessible for people. And, um, you know, I think that, like, like you were saying, Adriana, like the, the people that I thought, so I follow so many people online that aren't, they don't have the letters after their name, but they, you know, have shared things that have changed my life, you know. Um, and I think that that's what's really inspired me and us in this um, podcasts as well as, um, you know, I've started to become more vulnerable on social media than I'm comfortable with sometimes, <laughs> mm -hmm. but because I know that it, especially in this time when we're all, you know, isolated, um, in our own, in our own homes, um, but living with so much fear and grief of, um, you know, what's going on, uh, in the world, um, just, it, it's, it's so important to have that voice through my little computer phone, um, that tells me how to, how to get through this time of darkness. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And that's, you know, has nothing to do with the degree. It's so much more, it's so much bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like you said, this is what kind of brought us to doing the podcast is because not only did we want to bring our own experience being that we're therapists and trying to get behind, like, kind of pull the curtain, right? And to say like, hey, yeah, we we do have our letters after our names, but like outside of that, we're human first and we are in our own journey of healing and um, being able to hold um, both hats as humans who want to share information and in our own experiences that maybe connect with people and as therapists who have like, I guess, the clinical training um, that we're supposed to have to work with our clients but really like expanding that, you know, I mean, I, I know that for me, folks that, that know what I do, but have never gone to therapy, have really enjoyed the podcast because they see it now in a different light. They're like, oh, like, it's not that intimidating, you know, and it is folks of color who, whether it's family um, or friends who, again, know what I do, but we don't talk about what I do, you know, <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's what you do, like, it's accessible, right? And it's very relatable when we talk about it on the podcast and really are open and again, just trying to make it make it easier for people to connect with, whether it's therapy or anything else that sparks like hopefully Kiona, I mean, this sparks an interest in someone to say, like, oh, like my creativity, I'm gonna do more of that. Cause actually that's what I'm healing. Like that's how I'm healing. And I didn't even know I was doing that. So hopefully it encourages to continue for them to we talked about self-care. Some people do self-care, don't even know they're doing self-care. And when they, you put a name to it, then it becomes kind of liberating and also uh, helpful, you know, to some degree. But Kiona, I have a, a question for you. Mm. As someone who does not consider themselves very creative, um, and as someone who would like to explore that, and maybe there are listeners that are also, you know, finding themselves in a place where, you know, they don't feel creative. Like for me, when someone asks me like what I do, like what's my creative side, I'm just like, I doodle and like, you know, it's a very, como tú dices, it's, um, sorry, like you said, Google it guys, Google it if you- Yeah, figure it out from the figure, context. Figure, figure it, it out, you, you got this. Um, yeah, we got this. But, um, this idea that you have to be a certain kind of artist to be an artist or to be creative. Like, what would you say to listeners who want to like explore their creativity to find, Oh, you got this. I see you. For those that can't see, she's actually, she's stretching out for this. Question. She's like ready to take this question and go. She loves it. I she can't loves wait it. to hear. <laughs> so I'll stop there because you already know where I'm going with this. So tell me. Oh my God. Take it away. Thank you. Thank you so much for asking that question. I've been giving a couple of workshops about how to be an artist for free. And I want to keep doing them because, because of that same question. Because most people think that art belongs to the elite, talented, kind uh, children of the gods. And, <laughs> and so we're all children of the gods. So that's why I... I Let's do an exercise right here, right now. Can you grab an object right next to you? Any object. Go. Okay. I'm doing it. Okay. Hair tie. Hair tie. Perfect. You got a mouse. Lena, what'd you get? A mouse. A mouse. Okay, good. I have my mask. Okay. So um, this, this whole um, idea is that you have an object. So if you're listening to this, you have an object. You hold it in your hand, ordinary object. 
And you get to ask, what else could this be? Hmm. So in your case, you have a rubber band. Lena has a mouse, like a, not a, an animal, but like a mouse. <laughs> I have like a, a cat, mouse. like mouse. <laughs> I have a mouse a that I put on. <laughs> but the first question is, what else could this be? Okay. And so then you're like, mm, this could be like, I don't know, this could be a spaceship. And then kids are really good at this game. I call that a game, but it's not a game. Don't think it's a game. It's not a game. That's a juego. This is serious. So this is serious. Because here's the thing. Your mind is thinking this is a rubber band. This is a mouse. This is a mask. And your creative self is like, this could be how my life is expanding back and forth whenever I go out and become an extrovert, whenever I come home and I'm an introvert. Mm. And it's still a rubber band, right? So the rubber band can have infinite possibilities of meanings. And it's all up to you. It's still a rubber band, right? But what else could it be? And then the first thing is to answer that question is tapping to you. So what happened today that could relate to this rubber band? Maybe I talked to a coworker that was driving me nuts and I wanted to like shoot this at him, but I didn't have an excuse <laughs> in my hand. And then is this like a weapon that I, like of my anger? Is this a symbolism of my anger? Then it becomes this whole way of introspection and of diving into your inner world and it's still just a rubber band. Mm. Okay. I like that. I'm thinking about it right now. So, Awesome! Because, I am. Because the, one of the, I, in my little workshops, one of the qualities, I, I shared three qualities about being an, an artist. Number one is perception. So you see a rubber band, but an artist sees a thousand different things, right? So yeah. that means you're already an artist when you start asking that question, what else could it be? Boom! <laughs> I'm so honored to. I can't wait for someone to ask me what my creativity is now. There you go. <laughs> and then the second one is is about permission. Do you give yourself permission to mm. see this as something different? And do you give yourself permission to feel an infinite number of feelings? So that's also part of mm. the artist reclaiming. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of like the going back to the basics of like you know being a child and like how children can their imagination like where does it stop you know like it makes me think about when when do they either go you know and are encouraged by their art or creativity and when does it like die for some of us and like I'm saying it for myself my truth oh you have your hand raised I'll tell you <laughs> I, I, got the, I got a couple of answers about that okay tell because me tell I me know, this is my favorite topic of all time Te escucho. It, it, it dies when shame and perfection come in. Well, there are many other things, but those two... I didn't mean to freak people out. I'm so sorry. I hope your volume was at a decent... <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. It's yeah. fine. We didn't really... It was more your face, but oh, I felt okay. your face. <laughs> okay. No, no. I'm not worried about the listeners, you know? What if they're, like, on their earbuds running, listening to the podcast, and then they hear my shriek? I'm sorry. Like, is there a bird? But that hit. Oh. But that hit, Kiona. Look at it. He says that hit because... As a, some, as a recovering perfectionist, as someone who experiences shame, unfortunately, more than I want to, that is true. I mean, that, that resonates. So anyways, no te quise interrumpir, go ahead. 
Well, I got a solution for you. I, I don't mean to sound like a tele commercial here, like nine ninety nine. I yeah, we're we're investing. How many payments of nine ninety nine? Yeah, for nine payments of ninety nine ninety nine. So um, that's a lot, Fiona. Now we're going that's not accessible for me. <laughs> hey, you gotta believe you're worth it. You that's know? true. That's true. That's true. What am I talking about? I'll drop it. I'll drop it. So, okay. I, this is, this is a tip. Okay. You got this ready? Ready. You write the words perfect perfection and shame on a piece of paper. You put them in front of you and then you go back to your rubber band and you keep playing with the rubber band <laughs> because now perfection and shame are outside of your head and they're there looking at you and you're like, look, I'm playing with this rubber band that is a plane now and it's not a rubber band, right? Because it's called externalization. You're taking out these ideas and this stigma and this trauma from, you know, that somebody or yourself imposed on you and it's now outside. It's super simple, right? To write it on a piece of paper, mm -hmm. but trust me. I thought you were going to tell me that I put it on a piece of paper, I crumble it up, and I eat it. That's what I thought you were going to say, too. But then you put it right back into your body. Yeah, don't eat it. You don't, don't eat, eat trash. It. Then you die. You die. Oh, my God. Yeah, That's I great. mean, this is, uh, it's, you know, I, I want to share a vulnerability because one of uh, uh, the friends of the podcast uh, shared today, you know, I was kind of hoping like you guys would be more open and vulnerable on the show. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, more? I was like, we're sending, I mean, we're I mean, sharing so much. What else do we need to do? <laughs> but, but I think um, because they know me so well, they could maybe sense moments where I was holding back. I don't know. I don't feel like, I feel like maybe I have the opposite problem, but I do want to <laughs> share, you know, just, one time um, I was having a panic attack and Kiona helped me through it by asking me about what my panic attack looked like. And, you know, I said, oh, it's like this big orange monster with a billion eyes and a thousand feet or something. And she sat there and drew a picture of it. And I can still picture it. I don't know if I still have the, the picture somewhere, but... And we gave it a name and, you know, it became something outside of me. Um, and now whenever I feel that sense of panic rising in me, I think of that monster instead of, you know, myself having the panic attack, I think of it as this external thing. And I think that that was so like profound for me. Um, and like fundamental to my healing and that's totally opposite from what any therapist I've ever seen has done when I had a panic attack you know mm -hmm. they ask me to to take a deep breath and you're like <gasps> right <laughs> or I'm like I'll say I see this <laughs> you know to draw it and make it outside of myself was mm -hmm. the first time that I really felt this sense of relief like it was leaving me you know mm -hmm. so Wow. Oh, pal. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. That's, that's very sweet. And I really want to know the name of the monster. It's called fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. 
<laughs> it is though. It's spelled, but it's spelled F U K Y U. Because <laughs> that's just what came out when I was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Panic at that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's a that's a very cool way of like. I mean, it's a perfect example of what you're talking about, Kiona. Right? The this different way of thinking, like you said, Aunt Lena. I don't know that I would have thought of that. And, you know, with a client, I would have been like, tell me what you're thinking right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that, you know, I mean, I think this is great. These are other tools and this is other things to try. And maybe we make a mistake in it. But I think that it, if we don't try, then we get the same. We won't get, we won't, we won't uh, embrace opportunities and, and, mom and opportunities to connect right? You just never know when it's going to land with someone like, wow, you just did something completely outside of the box. And I like it, right? Like, <laughs> and I like it. Um, I mean, just the other day I was doing, um, I won't give a lot of information, but just even helping a client by connecting with how can you connect with your ancestors? Like, what, what, you know, how, how might that help with this particular situation that was going on? And you know, she really thought, she's like, wow, that's like an interesting way to put it. Um, and I don't know where it came from, but it, something was calling to me to, to bring up like her roots, like all the way back, like um, to her ancestors. And it's something that, you know, she really, she really kind of like, like brightened up about and kind of really thought through. And um, I, I see that as the cultural responsiveness in the room. That's what it might look like. You might say something that maybe you didn't learn when you were in grad school and being taught assessment and, you know, interventions and all of that stuff. It is sometimes you go outside of it and it doesn't mean you're not, you're not skilled or you're not trained or you're completely, you know, doing something completely radical in the room, but it means that you're, you're seeing your client, you're being curious. And, you know, we've talked to, we had talked about, um, about, you know, cultural factors that were playing into what was going on. But, you know, I thought that was really cool for me to just try it. And I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but shit, it felt kind of good to, to do something different. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So really cool. Um, That's awesome. Thank yeah. You. Are you going to ask me what my rubber band is? I've been, <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell you. Tell me what else could it be? Oh, yeah. It means that I have, cause mine is, um, it's a hair tie that it's that cool hair tie that doesn't, it's not like a rubber band that breaks. It's like the, um, the material that just expands. Right. But it, you, do you guys know which one, which hair tie? These are like the best hair ties, by the way. I, I can from. see it. I know. So I don't it's know. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's com yes. It's a, it's a basically when I'm media, it's a nylon kind of like, or it, it feels like, um, what, what do Those you say? are the Tights? best hair ties ever. Yes, they're the best. So what it reminds me is that they I cannot, break. that I don't break, that, I, that I'm not going to break and that I'm very flexible because you can expand this rubber band in very different ways. So I think it reminds me that no matter what happens, I could, I could be flexible or um, yeah, that I'm not going to break. Like I, I don't know. I think that, that, remind, that helps me feel comfort and um, yeah. Do you want to be a rubber band right now? Are you, are you going to tell me to, to go down on the floor and pretend to be a rubber band? <laughs> Is this a trick question? 
I do. I do. I'm going for it. I want to be perfect. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. <laughs> well, that's like the follow up for me. Like, do you want to feel it in your body? Do you want to feel that rubber band in your body? Like, yeah, yeah. And then we end up moving around <laughs> and then it's stretching and flexing and bending because then it's no longer in your head. It's in your body. It's an experience. Yeah. Just like with your question about the ancestors, like where, what does the connection to your ancestors look like? You can yeah. take paper and pen and then they can draw that connection, you know, mm. as, as a symbol. They can also feel it. Where, how, how does it look like in your body if you were to move it? You know, mm. what would it sound like? What would it smell like? Mm-hmm. And that becomes then a, an experience of, you know, do you have herbs that remind you of your ancestors? Do you have sounds that remind you of them? Mm. And, and that, again, is about holistic approaches to to our health mm-hmm. i love it i love it yeah that was fun thank you for thank you for like forcing not forcing us that's not what happened <laughs> this was all this was all voluntary i mean you know we for for those uh it's very interesting can i say something um so before uh before the interview I was telling Lena, like, can you ask Kiona to give us like an outline of what she's going to like, what she wants to talk about? Like, I need to be prepared. Um, and so, and so Lena like, res- like sends me a text and she's like, Kiona just wants it to be organic and just a conversation. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. You know, I was like, yeah, because the way I wanted it was like very white and like, I get it. And I'm just like, that's right. Like that is very white to have an agenda. Sorry. Like, yeah, I mean, very- I mean, yeah, as the white person in the room, I, you notice how I jumped in like, okay, Kiona, so uh, you, can you get, give us a little example of what decolonizing methods means to you? So part of it was also like whiteness and also just perfectionism that I wanted to make sure we were prepared and, you know, just that. But I do realize that it does, um, yeah, I'm just so many things came up. And so I was like, yeah, that's cool. I can totally handle this. Uh, oh, thank you. Because you are a rubber band. Because I'm a rubber band. I'm a fucking rubber band, man. Damn. God. All right. Healed. <laughs> I think we're done next. Here. Nailed it. What's up? What's next? What do we do next? Are we ready to go take over the world and create our 24-hour <laughs> mental health gym? 24-hour counseling center. It is going to happen, y'all, that 24-hour counseling center. And it's going to be everywhere, just like 24-hour fitness is everywhere. <laughs> yes, I believe it. You that. will remember That's... this podcast that you heard on whenever it comes out and how amazing that idea is and revolutionary that you could go to therapy at 4 o'clock in the morning because it's needed. Yeah. 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 I certainly don't want to go to the gym at 4 o'clock in the morning, but... But people I... do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People do what matters, Lena. What matters to them. <laughs> I've probably been to the gym like once at like five. That's the earliest I'll go. And yeah. that was like because I had to get to work by seven. <laughs> but yeah, well. Well, um, as we're wrapping up, we're wrapping up or can we talk all night long? What are we doing? <laughs> can we talk all night long? <laughs> I think we could, but uh, I think uh, we won't. We will. We will wrap it up with something. Yeah, leave them wanting more. You know. Okay, got this. Here we go. Okay. So, 
speaking of gyms and working out, right? Some people do invest like two hours or you know a chunk of their day working out. You know, whether it's at a gym or in front of a screen or at a park somewhere working out. Then there are other people that move throughout the day a lot. You know, they walk a lot. They like sit a lot. <laughs> they do a lot of like things with their bodies. Mm-hmm. And that is also exercise, right? Mm-hmm. So with that mentality of how our bodies are always moving and how some people spend a certain amount of time intentionally moving, uh, the same thing applies to uh, to how much we invest in, in ourselves, right? To, in our like emotional selves. And so I made the comparison to, um, to food and how we are always also, you know, eating is the same thing. You know, some of us eat three times a day, two times a day, but we need to invest in like taking care of us. And so with that mentality, I uh, thought about feeding our hearts and the idea of love food or what I now call reground food which is a way of uh, nourishing our hearts. And it's very simple. So you don't have to invest, you know, two hours every day talking to a counselor or a, you know, know-it-all or somebody. You can do <laughs> small things that can feed your heart. And something very small can be like a meme that somebody sends you and that feeds your heart or a poem or a song or a funny picture or something that feeds your heart in that moment. And so then it becomes love food, right? Your heart is being nourished, it's being fed. And it doesn't need to be wait till the end of the day for you to binge on something because you're depleted. So it's the idea of preventive measures in, uh, uh, instead of responsive measures. And um, with that, I wanna do a little plug-in for my little page um, on Instagram. It's called Reground Food. And is a page, you know, that I created with that intention of sharing my digestion, basically, of sharing what, what nourishes my heart. This is and, awesome. Uh, and encouraging people, right, to, to feed their hearts with whatever fits their hearts. Yeah. Okay, Kiona, say it one more time. What? The, okay, your, I just your hand, your, no, your handle. Your handle. <laughs> your, your, your Instagram, Instagram name. Oh. Yeah. I do Instagram, so I don't know what handle was. <laughs> uh, reground food reground food reground food so go and be follow. on the lookout for an event or a few events that i'm helping organize with wellness in action another awesome agency uh we're putting together an event or several events called reground uh again with that intention of having uh therapists of color uh reground and recenter and dissect the many needs that we have in our communities so Stay tuned for more juicy things coming. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Kiona. This was such a pleasure and super energizing, even mm -hmm. though it's like, what, 7.50 on a Friday and I'm usually like in bed like in a half an hour. I feel like I'm ready to go. Like I actually want to go to one of your gyms. Um, so oh, yeah. It was, super ener it was very energizing. No, it was very filling and energizing. And I feel really, really glad that we, we are having this conversation mm -hmm. and that you were opened up our like guest lineup for Yay. the Yes. And so what an honor. Super, super an honor for us. So thank you for joining us for yes. this conversation. Um, and I don't know, Lena, do you have any final words before we wrap up and say goodbye to our peeps? Yeah, I just want to, you know, repeat echo the the gratitude for 
having you with us, Kiona, and sharing your wisdom. And I'm going to be thinking about being a rubber band. And uh, my thing that I imagined was a, a, a head massager, my mouse. So I'm going to be I'm going to be stretchy like a rubber band and just giving myself a massage. So thank you for that. Um, and yeah, I, I'm just so honored to have you with us it's uh, there's a lot i'm sitting with um what would you say for folks you know who maybe feel like it just so like this is such a big topic right like what would you if there's anything you want to say like last words um i want to just give you the opportunity to close us out before we say bye if there's any big, juicy last words you want to have. Whew. <laughs> like, on. Hour number two. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> big, juicy words are that all of us have an incredible amount of agency and power in our healing when we reclaim or reconnect with our roots um, and with the awareness that we are also part of each other. So whenever we get to be in community, uh, whether it's virtual or in person or in some form, and whenever we reconnect with uh, our lineage, that is um, healing and that is medicine that is accessible to us all the time. So all right. <laughs> all right. Keep that in your hearts. All right. There it is. <laughs> Thank you so much for letting me share with you. It's been a, an honor for me to have this space and, and to grow in community with you as well. Thank you. Thanks, Kiana. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this conversation. If you like what you heard, follow us on Instagram at I Feel you Pod. That's the letter U. Or you can email us at hello at ifeelyoupod.com. Again, that's the letter U. The music on I Feel You is from Thanks. You can find them on SoundCloud at THNX or Instagram at THNX Music. See you next time. Bye. Bye.